And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 247 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. How you doing this week, Brian? Oh, I'm I'm a little I'm a little punch punch drunk tired here. Yeah? Yeah. Well, that'll make for a fun episode. Eh, it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be good. I was up at like, I don't know, like three o'clock this morning or something stupid. I can relate. I think I talked about this recently, but my my quarantine habit is waking up on saturday or sunday mornings at four to be at the grocery store when it opens at five yep so that was that was me this morning there you go living my i don't know that best life is how i would describe that but most practical life your your we'll call it your q life yes but that is not what we are here to talk about it is not and if the last two weeks are any indication we should spend as little time as possible talking about anything but comics. Let's do comics, then. All right. Future State, uh, I have once again, for those of you playing along at home, sequenced these by their place in the timeline. So we are going to begin with Catwoman. This is set in 2025, along with the next Batman, Arkham Knights, Harley Quinn, Grifters, Outsiders, and Robin Eternal, all of which we've talked about previously. Uh, the writer is Rom V, the artist and colorist is Otto Schmidt, and the letterer is Tom Napolitano. Brian, did you dig uh, it? I did dig it. So, uh, basically, all we kind of knew of this going in was, you know, it was Catwoman was going to pull a train heist and not rob something from the train. She was going to rob the train. <laughs> As she puts it in the issue, we don't have to make it back off the train if we take the train. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I I do love this. Uh, I love that she has her strays, which are essentially her support mechanism yeah, and for everything. We've, we've seen them in Rom V's run so far. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's nice to see them flashed forward a little. I agree. Like, yeah, because they're act, they're functioning as a cohesive support unit for her now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and this is uh, their this train is carrying uh both uh, a bunch of children to be uh, indoctrinated. I suppose is probably the best phrase for it. That sounds right. Yeah, uh, as well as some dangerous, uh dangerous prisoners yes there are two oh. cars on this train that are each like individual containment cars also on this train are uh the person essentially that runs it right or the magistrate and a guest who is a essentially like a reporter yes uh, but or investigator for the the kind of the council um and 
uh, basically she's been given kind of full access. You know, she's been given the guided tour of the place. Canoris, which I appreciate as a name because it's a dog pun. Cats and dogs. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, and like it, 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 if you are a comic book reader, you you catch on pretty early that she is not who she says she is. No. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised to learn who she is. I was as well. That was not who I was expecting. Um, I can't say I hate it though, because this is gonna be fun. Yeah. Um, um, I also don't want to spoil <laughs> what their cargo is or what their target is. Correct. Uh, we we can. Sh I think we can share the other prisoner. Yes. Uh, yes. There is a prisoner who Selena busts out to help fight through the train, or as he puts it, she does a bleep bloop. Yeah, uh, I was going to say. So Catwoman uh, goes to, and she does a release, release, open the door. <laughs> uh, he does get dressed, get dressed. <laughs> so um, it's it's onomatopoeia. Yeah. <laughs> so literally. He just speaks all of the sound effects of what he's doing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> such a weird and wonderful character to have oh. just arbitrarily show up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, great, great opening book for this. Also, that Otto Schmidt art. Oh, gorgeous. Gorgeous. I gotta say, I'm kind of dig in all the Gotham books and how they're making them fit together. Yes. Um, and I think this is, this is maybe the first week where there are some questions on how individual stories might line up that we don't yes. really have answers to. Correct. I'm thinking of Batgirls and uh, actually Catwoman in particular. Yes. Like, there are yep. a couple of character reveals in these who we know they get out of the jams they're in, we just don't know how. Right. And whether these stories come before or after some of the stuff we've already read. Correct. And remember, these are most likely futures right now. They're not guaranteed futures. Yes. So, yeah. Always keep that in mind. It's also worth mentioning, uh, on that note, we, we kind of danced around the Green Lantern timeline and how it might fit in with Justice League last week. It's also possible that these are different realities. Like, these aren't all the future of a single timeline. That is also possible. I, uh, I, I tend to lean towards thinking they are, but... I do, too, know, we'll see. but... Yeah. Uh, I thought about that while editing, so here we go. There we go. Nightwing, number one, again in 2025. Yep. Uh, written by Andrew Constant, art by Nicholas Scott, colors by Ivan Placencia, and letters by Wes Abbott. I realized as I started to read this one that this is probably one of the books I had actually the least conception of in my head. Like, mm -hmm. I wasn't sure. Like, I knew, okay, Nightwing's operating out of Arkham and leading the Resistance. But there's a whole layer to this beyond what is in the solicitation about Nightwing being kind of grimdark. Yeah. Because he's beating himself up for Bruce being dead, missing, whatever. And I actually really liked that layer more than I more than I normally do. Yeah, well, I there's a couple of things about it. One is I think he treats it very differently than Bruce would when he does his grimdark stuff. Yes. 
And I think that's what makes it okay. Because if they had just turned him into Grimdark Bruce, right? Yeah. It'd have been like, okay, well, that's kind of dumb. It's He's not Bruce. And they didn't. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's guilt-driven more than right. revenge-driven. And it's very much putting him in a place where he seems to do more rash or more harsh things but he does those things to minimize risk of someone else getting hurt killed or captured yep it's a very realistic progression for him given kind of what happened yeah yeah and he is Um, he is caught in this game of cat and mouse with the magistrate uh by the way nicholas scott can can we just say come on Uh this is insanely gorgeous it is and uh uh I also want to, uh, Ivan, uh, Placentia. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the colors in this? Oh my god. Yeah, they're these, like, almost rainbow washes over yeah. cityscapes. It's super yeah. cool. And then, and then there'll be, like, one where there's, like, this, uh, he's fighting this girl with knives, and, like, most of the background is, like, this kind of dull black-gray, brownish kind of colors. And then she is in, like, this purple top. And her knives are like these pink, almost glowing things. Like, it's just, I love the way things pop across this. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a couple of things going on here are this, this cat and mouse game between Dick and the Magistrate. And Dick thinks he's a step ahead, and the Magistrate thinks they're a step ahead. And who's really one step ahead of the other? Like, that's just fun. Yep. Like getting him to see getting to see that little bit of Batman in him too. Uh but we also get the first meeting, I guess, between the next Batman mm-hmm. and Dick. Which <laughs> yeah. I really love this this dynamic between them. Yeah. Uh yeah, the next Batman catches him in the shower. It's like yeah. really <laughs> Yeah, he catches him in the shower. So Dick electrocutes him. As soon as he comes through, he's like, so you took off the mask and you know who I am? He's like, well, I know who you are because I've got all this video footage of you and I know that you are the Batman who has been on the streets fighting crime, but I didn't take off the mask, no, because I respect your privacy. Privacy. Uh, Can I say, I I gotta take this as my quote of the week. Brian's quote of the week, Batman. Uh, So the next, like I said, they kind of meet and they scuffle a little bit, right? Dick has just come out of the shower, and he looks up at him, and he's like, and you are? I'm, people call me Batman. And Dick goes, hello, Batman. Arkham, welcome guest, maximum voltage. And that's when he completely gets electrocuted, and then you hear, ouch. (laughs) Maximum voltage? You bet. People call you Batman. <laughs> you gonna take the title? You gotta take the pain, baby. It's very it. good. Um, it's really good. Yeah. Andrew Constant also wrote a demon miniseries, Etrigan the Demon miniseries, yep. a few years back. It was a lot of fun too. If you haven't read it, yeah, and uh, yeah, and then we uh, the magistrate shows up at his doorstep in Arkham, and Batman is a bit surprised by that, and Nightwing's like. No, I know they put a tracker on me, and I, I plan for it. Why? Because I'm I'm done running, and I'm done dealing with them, and I'm going to finish it once and for all. Yeah. If I had to guess, I would guess this is set after the next Batman. Hmm. 
it feels like the next Batman is kind of him tussling with the magistrate on his own, and this is him realizing, I need to work with someone. That could be. That could yeah. be. Although, yeah, maybe. Well, why don't we talk about the next Batman? Okay, yeah, let's do that. Because uh, it's also in 2025, I think right before the events of Nightwing, but we don't know that. Well, the only thing that makes me wonder about that is the uh, the whole Grifter thing about Grifter getting him out of town, right? But that's not necessarily the same person. Oh, well, mm, oh, now that's a thought I hadn't given. Well, mm. yeah, we don't we don't actually know in the pages of the next Batman who the next Batman is. I know. I thought you knew. Uh, I thought they told us in this one. They do. Okay, they do in this one. Yeah, they tell us who it is in yeah. this one. All right. Well, that's not the character who's in Grifter. Okay. Oh. That's his brother. That's true. That is true. Oh, I did not think of that. Yeah. I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't recalculate once I knew who this was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. The yeah. the next Batman is written by John Ridley. Art this month or this week is by Laura Braga with breakdowns by Nick Darrington. The colorist is Arif Prianto and the letterer is Clayton Cowles. So Batman is trying to solve a murder while under pressure from an on his heels magistrate. Yes. He has some kind of of Russian contact who he keeps calling on burner phones and then destroying the phones. Yes. Because uh, the magistrate can track him. Um, I think in a lot of ways, like this issue, in, in exactly the way that we wanted to see more of what was established in number one, gives us that. It continues to develop the ideas that he is out here interceding between criminals and the magistrate and trying to keep people as safe as possible even if that means letting the criminals get away yep um although in this particular case he comes face to face with a couple of murderers who maybe have good reason for doing a murder well i think it's he i think he even puts it this way like yes they have justification but that doesn't make it okay for them to do right yeah. But it puts him in the situation that we haven't seen yet, I think, of Correct. having to make that value judgment, does he let them get away? Right. right. The other thing we get in this is, uh, again, we do get a reveal of who this is, um, and we get kind of a lot more about the position and, and what's going on with his whole family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's um, a scene with his mother Yeah, that I think is... And again, we'd seen hints of this in issue one, but it's very telling that she is working with the magistrate in capacity, or working with Gotham City in her capacity right. as a lawyer. Uh, the city wants her to make sure that the mask detention program is covered legally. Legally, yeah. So that people can't get away on loopholes or so the law doesn't get struck down. Um, and you can see, like, she's not comfortable with it, and there is definitely tension between her and Lucius about Lucius's role in weapons development. Yep. But she also hates masks because she sees them as responsible for the injury of her daughter and other correct. family problems. Yeah, correct. Um, 
Yeah, and so clearly she she does not know, you know, the the uh the goings on of her sons. Yes. Yes. One of her sons, at least. Well, uh, probably both. True. I, I'm not yeah. saying that. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I really, really like just the writing in this book. I think it's it's so common that you get film writers who come in and they write decent comics right but this feels like something special and personal and even when it's working at a really small scale it feels important i agree i think the other thing that he did was very clever which was choosing to kind of take this setting of what I opened with, which is there's this murder he wants to solve and he's constantly being pushed forward, trying to stay one step ahead of the magistrate. Yeah. And I think that give that framing gives it the, gives all of these things that are happening kind of that importance you were talking about. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. an urgency to it. That's exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the next story in this issue is the first part of Batgirls. This is written by Vita Ayala. The artist is a Neke. Colors are by Trish Mulvihill, and letters are by Becca Carey. Uh, <laughs> Cascade gets thrown in one of the magistrate's prison prisons, and her roommate is Steph, who has, as far as anyone knows, turned traitor on the Resistance. Yeah. Has and and as people who are in the know has betrayed the Bat family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also positioned herself as this like underground political figure, power broker inside the prison who like wheels and deals with both the the masks and the villains. Well, what I really like is for the most part it is masks and villains, right? Yeah. But the way they have it's white hats and black hats yeah. and they're it's not so much heroes and villains as it is who supports the resistance and who is kind of not necessarily against the resistance but just for themselves yeah right fair yeah um yeah and she has placed herself kind of in between those two yeah and i i i, <laughs> I think that's great then there's Jimmy Olsen. Can we just take a moment and talk about this dumbass? <laughs> what what happened to him, man? Like, one, yeah, what's he doing here? But two, I'm not sure. Like, okay, props to Jimmy for moral integrity. But I'm not sure that alerting the guards of an assassination plot is actually the smartest thing to do when you're surrounded by white hats and black hats, all of whom want out of this situation. Yeah. Like, it's a good thing Superman's his pal. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. Uh, I do find, I did find it very interesting, some of the people that we saw in here, though. Yeah? Like Carly, right? Uh-huh. And I'm guessing, I guess that's, again, I, I, I'm curious how things fit in timeline, timeline-wise. Yeah. I get... I get the feeling that maybe this one, this one would have to be after Harley Quinn. Uh, I'm guessing it's probably, you know, I don't know how I'd place it. Robin Eternal versus this. Right. 
Um, because we don't know what her betrayal was. Um, I feel like this has got to be either just about at the same time as or right before Catwoman. I don't think it can be after. Uh, let me think about this. It has to be, it has to be after Nightwing because of what we find out at the end, right? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how, I mean, I guess it could be before if it was far enough before, but Yeah. yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, but I, am I the only one who didn't immediately guess what was kind of going on here? What the twist was going to be? Are you the only one who didn't immediately guess it? Or the only one who did immediately Am guess I the it? only one who did? Because, no, I also, yeah. like, yeah. sorry, you can't convince me that, that Steph Brown is actually going to end up betraying the Bat family. Exactly. Like, I, I don't think I'm supposed I, to buy that premise up front, and I don't. Right. I, I, I here's the thing. I absolutely because she's done it before. I I agree that she could disagree with the Bat Family. Yes, right, one hundred percent. But she's not going to betray him. Yeah, right. And so, and yeah, I think I think this trades on that because one, that's not this issue's big reveal. No, it's not. And two, like even walking into it making that assumption, it reads as like bittersweet is not the right word but like it's got like it's built to hold that dramatic irony of the audience knowing but the character not right well because there's a couple of times when steph keeps saying just stop and just listen for a minute and cats will have none of it yeah right so or we see we see i love this sequence where Cass tries to start these fights and you'll get like steph brooding in the background and people being like no, it's cool. Don't worry about it. I I deserved that. Oops, that's my my mistake. Yeah, like Killer Croc, like these people who not who would not yeah. take it right. Uh that's good stuff. Um, yeah, but then we 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 do get. Uh, we're not going to tell what it is, but we do get the big reveal as yeah. to um what what is going on. So, um, basically the um what we find out about Steph is that. She is, uh, you know, undercover. She didn't betray the Bat family because uh, Barbara went missing and she's trying to track her down. Yeah. Well, both Barbara and, and Bruce, like. Correct. correct. She, she, but specifically, she, she was. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to go deep undercover, she made a very public betrayal of the resistance. Yeah. Yeah. To kind of gain the street cred that she needed to to do this stuff. Yeah. I really dug this. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Uh, the art in this was also really solid, I felt. I also think so. And this will finish up in uh, next Batman number four. Correct. As yeah. will Gotham City Sirens, which we had the first half of this week. This is written by Paula Sevenbergen. Breakdowns are by Rob Haynes. Pencils are by Emanuela Lupacino. Inks are by Wade Von Grabadger, colors by John Kalish, and letters by Becca Carey. This this one was very different. (laughs) It was. Like, it's what I think of at at a certain level. Like, when I hear Gotham City Sirens, this is what I think of. The girls' night out kind of storyline. Yeah. Well, and specifically in this one, it's... I I hesitate to say literally, but it's literally girls' night out because of the character that they are specifically trying to give that that TV produced girls night out. Yes. Uh yeah. <laughs> Ivy and Catwoman 
while trying to take down uh, the head of a division of the company that feeds the magistrate that is spinning off into its own publicly traded entity. Yeah, it's Dilton Technology. Uh, they break into his home to try to, like, find proof of financial misdoings. And instead find one of his, like, domestic robots who has what I would imagine is a higher degree of sentience and personality that he is basically keeping locked up, enslaved in his home. Uh, when they find her, she is just binge-watching sitcoms. Yes. And she agrees to trade all the information she has, which is more than they would get their hands on on their own. Yeah. In exchange for a night out on the town. A full night. Yep. A girl's night out. Yes. Yes. Um, And most of this issue, I think, trades on just the relationships between them and how kind of fun this new character is. Uh, We also get Slam Bradley, bartender, which is excellent. Running the speak easy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, which is uh, apparently a rooftop bar that if you can't fly up there or climb up there, you don't get in. <laughs> yeah. There is no elevator. Nope. Um, uh, yeah, and so they they have a girls' night out, and, you know. Uh, this one in particular, I'm not sure how it fits in. Yeah, it's... And I don't, I don't know if it does, I'll be honest. It's a little hard to place just because of, I mean, like, Catwoman's in a completely different costume. We don't really have a point of reference for where Ivy is at in anything else so far. Right. Um, I didn't key into anything in particular that places it in Timeline. Nope. Although I could see, like, maybe in part two, Catwoman gets information that leads to the Catwoman issues. Um, So if I were just guessing, I'd say this is set before that. Okay, I do have one question, so. Yes. Uh, There's a point where Ivy and Selina are sitting at the bar, and two guys walk up to them. Uh Uh-huh. Who are they? Do we know? I definitely don't recognize them as anyone. Okay. Uh, that's not to say they're not some reference I'm just missing, but just, uh, I the, don't... The, the one on, in that final panel, the one on the left, kind of looks almost like a Damien character. But I'm like, there's no way that can be Damien, because that would be, A, super creepy for him to be uh-huh. Selena. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, I don't... And he would know her, yeah. Also, I don't see Damien wearing anything that looks that close to a Nightwing costume. A Nightwing outfit? That's Just true. on That's, principle, yeah. I think he would refuse. <laughs> no, Richard, I will not. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I don't know who these... Anyway, the, the, yeah, these two like clearly kind of young guys come up and hit on uh, Ivy and Selena, and they're like, yeah, no. Next, you will have me wearing bell-bottoms and that ridiculous large lapeled disco suit of yours, Richard. <laughs> I will have no part of this. I am a serious assassin. The son of the bat and the head of the demon. I do not disco. I'm the son of the demon bat. <laughs> I don't know. That's great. Uh, yeah, but... So this is another one that we will get the conclusion of uh, in, in two more issues here. Yep. All right. Now we move forward four years to 2029 and Shazam. 
Uh, which is, I think, very much a part of the same storyline going on in The Flash and definitely Teen Titans. Yes. Uh, which are both set in 2027. So this is two years after those. This is written by Tim Sheridan, who also wrote Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Pencils are by Eduardo Pansica. Inks are by Julio Ferreira. Colors are by Marcelo Maiolo. And letters are by Rob Lee. This might be my favorite issue this week. Me too. I'm glad you said that. Me too. So, first of all, we get introduced to... Well, we, I mean, we get a couple of pages of kind of something that's going on with Shazam. But then we get kind of introduced to this new JLA that's in existence. Yeah, and I dig this lineup. Oh my god, this is crazy. So, it's Vixen. Mm-hmm. Probably one of my favorite portrayals of Vixen, maybe ever. Yeah. Because I don't think she's used very well often. Agreed. But uh, we have a question who is not Vic Sage and not Montoya. Right. Yeah. And we, we don't, don't know, know who they are. Correct. We also have, uh, I believe it's Power Girl, who is the not Karen Starr, but, but Tanya. Yeah. Power I, Girl. I don't know for sure that it is her, but that is where my mind also went. Okay, okay. It's like, a very similar I, yeah. costume. I think yep. like there are a lot of very common des- a lot of common design elements between the two. Yeah. That's that's immediately where I went with that character. Yeah. Uh, we have Shazam, mm-hmm. who seems to be kind of the nominal leader of the group, right? Or at very <laughs> least the pushiest member of the group. Yeah. Uh we have uh Miss Martian. Always who glad I, to see. Yeah, I absolutely love. And then we know that uh uh Yakim and Johnny Johnny Thunder. Yes. Right? Uh and Yakim isn't he the other wielder of the Thunderbolt? Yes. Yeah. I thought so. Uh and yeah, that is this new JLA. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's a very different lineup. Yeah, and uh, basically our central mystery through this issue, at least, is something is definitely off with Shazam. Right. Uh, we see him ignore phone calls from Mary Marvel. He gets very testy when people call him Billy. Yep. Uh, which partly is this running gag through the issue about using code names. Right. But he looks off-put. I want to say the art in this is really fantastic. Yes. Um, like the facial expression and physicality through this issue does a lot of storytelling. Um, we learn by the time this issue is over what is up with Shazam, and this mystery was kind of teased in the solicitation text. Mm-hmm. And even like even just reading it, you know, I would have been curious okay who's who's shazam surely it's not billy who's who's really transforms into shazam right i can honestly say that i never would have guessed that the answer would be what the answer is no but i love it yeah it makes like because this this and we'll we'll talk about what it is in just a minute but to lead up to it this kind of trope has been done before yeah right but it it's different here in that the the character design of this character lends itself perfectly to it yeah and there's just the first introduction we get to shazam in and of itself is a big giveaway it is it is certainly looking back right yeah Yeah. um but 
in that moment reading it, I never thought twice about it. Right. Me, neither did I. Do we want to talk about what happened to Billy Batson? Um, yeah, we can do that. All right. Anything else before we call spoilers on this one? Uh, oh, the only other thing I'll say is, um, uh, I, I love Giganta in this. Oh, yes. Yes. She's good. Uh, and who do they break into Iron Heights to free, Alec? Oh, I was afraid you were going to ask me that. I was sitting here trying to remember. It's a tornado in a cell. Does that give you a hint? Red tornado. No, he. They do show red tornado with no arms, but oh. no. Fuck <laughs> right. <laughs> Jeepers, creepers. Yeah, it's the creeper. It, it is the creeper. Okay, I, I must say though, the art design for this depiction of him. Uh huh is crazy cool yeah i do love how the art how they chose to portray him like like this is creepy this is a creepy creeper i love it so we're gonna actually call spoilers for this one yeah Uh, yeah. which we have tried not to do for future state stuff but i think this one we do actually need to talk about some we learn what has happened to billy batson It is not simply a matter of someone else has gained the ability to transform into Shazam. In order to protect the Rock of Eternity from the hordes of hell, essentially, Neron has split Billy and Shazam into two separate entities. Because Shazam is not pure enough to hold off all of hell, but Billy is. Right. And but, but Shazam is needed back on on Earth. Earth. Yeah, right. So Neron separates them, and Billy has Shazam chain him in front of the door. Right. So to, the door to the Rock of Eternity, so that he can't like get distracted by some temptation and wander off. So this is Shazam, just without the Billy Batson parts of himself. Uh huh. Which also means Shazam is doing some horrible things. Yeah, Shazam without Billy is a not a great person. Yeah. Which makes it make sense why Neron would agree to... Do this. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it means yeah. Shazam is basically lawful evil. Sounds about right. I do love Billy's uh, insight to himself, though. Mm-hmm. When he tells Shazam, yeah, there's one more thing I need you to do. There are temptations everywhere down here, and I'm just a kid. (laughs) I need (laughs) you to make sure I can't, for any reason, abandon my post. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Like, like I'm a kid. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fall to temptation. I know I will. So don't give me the choice. Surprised by how good this book is. Yeah, I, I was too. Like I said, I, I, damn it, I want a book that is that lineup of the JLA. Right. Yeah. Fingers crossed. That's crazy cool. Now we move forward another year to 2030 and Superman Worlds of War number one. So this is our our one book with four different stories in it. Oof, yeah. Uh, 2030 is also the same point in time as Justice League Dark, Superman of Metropolis, which definitely happens before this. Yes. And Mr. Miracle, uh, who we get another Mr. Miracle story in here. We do. Um, 
First up is The Many Lives of Clark Kent, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Mikkel Hanin, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Dave Sharp. Talk about a powerhouse creative team. Yes. Um, this is, I think, our first taste thematically of what Superman and Action Comics is an ongoing will be starting in March. Uh, for one, this is, I think, the first Philip Kennedy Johnson pinned Superman book of Future State. Uh, but also, like, that first that first pair of issues in March is this sort of introspective, reflective thing from John's point of view about Superman's mortality and legacy and all of that. And this very much comes from a an outside view looking at Superman. Yep. Uh, all these people he have saved, he has saved, have come to uh, Smallville, which has maybe been renamed Krypton, or maybe it that's looks just kind of like it does, or maybe they just call themselves that. Yeah, now. or it's some sort yeah. of marketing thing. Who knows? Uh, Smallville has been taken over with people who basically worship Superman. They teach his science papers as religious texts and. Uh, are are insane. They're just insane. It is literally, if if you know the story, it is literally the you know the temple in Jerusalem, yeah. with all of the market's place and the yeah, yeah, you know the corruption of it by the 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 secular world, yeah, right, like modern American Christianity or the Republican Party. Yeah. <laughs> That's not fair to the Republican Party. They're really the caliphates, anyway. Um, come at but me, but yeah, it, it it is it is it is it is this capitalistic zoo. Yes, and kind of the 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 hero of this story is this young girl who has come in to kind of earnestly pay her respects at this memorial for Superman, where people yep. who he's saved tell their stories, and it becomes this debate about how he's forsaken Earth, why he's moved on, why he's justified, how he's dead, how. He gets reborn. What happened to him, right? Yeah. It's it's this kind of, like, very real-world, dumbass conspiracy theory speculation. Right. Of why he's not there. Yeah. And I love that, that this main character's response is just, no, nah, this was a mistake. I should not have come here. I am out. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, one of the things is, you know, one of the people are like, yeah, you know, I was in a helicopter and this rift opened up and this giant space monster thing went through it and Superman fought it back and pushed it back through. And then it closed with him still in the rift. And, you know, a few days later he was back, but maybe one, one of these times he went to do something like that and, you know, he couldn't get back. Maybe that's what happened to him. And then you get people that said, Oh no, he's dead. And then you get somebody who's like, no man, he's like elevated himself. He's pure energy now. Like, so yeah, like, conspiracy yeah. theory is exactly the right. Well, and let me be clear, like, I think the people in this story are dumbasses. I actually really love this story. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Because it's very, like, like this is exactly what you could see actually happening. It is a completely different flavor than Mark Russell's satire. Yes. But it's like the straight-faced parody version of that satire. Yeah. Um, yep, it is definitely social commentary. My my favorite my favorite one is actually, and this is the one that like also I think is most believable of other theories is the 
No, guys, he's a farmer. He just got sick of fighting these fights and moved yeah. on and is, like, turning desolate, barren planets and moons into utopia, utopian worlds that have everything they need just for people to eventually come to and find. Yeah, you know, he thanos did after after the snap, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do love, so, then they get into this argument about, you know, this guy's like, no, he's Superman because all, he has all these amazing powers and does all this stuff. And, you know, the our main character is like, that's no, that's not what made him Superman was not his powers. Yeah. And then something at the, you know, she starts, she's like, you know, I made a mistake. She's leaving. Somebody says, tell, tell us how Superman saved you then. She's like, Superman didn't save me. Clark Kent did. Yeah. It's like, oh, damn. Yeah, And like, she sees the shooting star and she starts talking to him about how, you know. She knows it's not really about the power, all that, you know. Yep. Yeah. Um. And there's the the the. There's a really nice segue then to like we get I don't know a couple of pages with Superman yep. and that's it, but he is on Warworld, and mm-hmm. is in the pits and like we see a cage being wheeled out and he's just talking to the other person and asking his name and telling him okay stand behind me we're gonna get out of here like. Just still being Superman, even without any of the power, because it's War World and Red Sun and blah, 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 blah. You got it. Uh, like, an amazing Superman story with almost no Superman in it. Correct. Uh, once we are on War World, our backup stories kick into place. Mm-hmm. The first one is a Mr. Miracle story called Time and Effect, which is set after the second part of the Mr. Miracle story in Superman of Metropolis number two, which is not out yet. Correct. So these kind of jump back and forth, but this is a separate story. Uh, it is written by Brandon Easton with art by Valentin Delandre, which I believe is the same artist and writer team, at least. I uh, think so. Colors are by M- Marissa Louise, letters by Dave Sharp. And... Uh, it's, it's kind of this reflection on death and rebirth and how that is a unique experience in the superhero world. <laughs> I like how he acknowledges it. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, cause clearly like whatever happens in this Mr. Miracle story between the two we've read now ends in him thinking he is going to die. Like, Oh, sure. Sure. That's, that's gotta be what sets up the, and then I'm reborn. Well, and if you remember the main story, the title of the main story was The Many Deaths and Lives of Clark, or The Many Lives of Clark, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. The Many Lives of Clark Kent, because part yeah. two is called The Many Deaths of Clark The Kent. Many Deaths, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That was it. The Many that, Deaths of Superman, right? That's the next issue. Right. Um, I still really like this creative team and this take on Mr. Miracle. Uh, I do, too. And so, you know, he finds himself on War World, and uh, essentially finds our character from the next backup we're going to talk about and yeah i love uh, that they have just this brief meeting on a bridge yeah yeah like they literally kind of pass each other uh and basically he has to get to a the communication he, he has to do the uh, uh thing where you know he gets to the communication tower to send out the the rescue message yeah. type thing right yeah midnighter tells him hey shit's about to go down i yeah. bet superman could use some help so yep. uh Go go call for help, please. So he goes to do that, and to do that, he has to go to the outside of World World, where he sees, uh, oh shit, it's about to get even worse. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I mean, when Midnighter is running a little frantic, you know that something bad is is going down. Yeah. Um, which brings us to Midnighter and something bad going down. <laughs> to be clear, Indeed. the story is not something bad going down. This the the story is excellent. The story is amazing. We'll get there. Uh, this is written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad. Art is by Gleb Melnikov. Colors are by Jordi Belair, and letters are by Travis Lanham. Um, Midnighter is taking instructions from a mystery voice. Yes. We have Which no always idea. always turns out great, right? A plus every time. Great idea. Um, we have no idea who this mystery voice is. All we know is he is trying to take down the... It's the same corporation that ends up creating brain cells in the Superman of Metropolis series. Of Metropolis, series. yep. Um, they are, in fact, on Warworld, and mm-hmm. the same artificial kryptonite that brain cells used on Kara, they are trying to perfect. Yes. And this voice is instructing Midnighter in how to stop that. I had to text friend of the show and occasional guest ghost Tim, uh, with the diehard references in here. <laughs> Uh, knowing yep. his deep-seated love of that film. Indeed. Well, yippee ki <laughs> do, do you see an air duct? yippee ki There it is. Then it. just one panel of him crawling like Bruce Willis. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot, and it is very diehard. It's a lot of, like, running around, fighting, getting himself into and out of bullshit. Yep. Yeah, if he had done the whole thing during that crawling panel, if they had done the, oh, sure, go to War World, have some fun, fight some battles. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been... <laughs> um, Maybe that would have been a little much, I don't know. <laughs> I also want to mention, uh, Gleb Melnikov is the artist on this. He also did Jenny Hex. Yes. And he plays into a very different visual style for this. Something much sketchier and more frantic yeah uh i really appreciate that decision and imp- and am and am impressed by that flexibility I, I i am also it's also something that uh, uh you know in a lot of cases I, I may not like as much but in this case i absolutely do 100 percent. this works for yeah. me yeah so we see a couple of times the figure running these experiments running this company even maybe who is the big reveal on the last page yep did you piece together who that was early because yes yeah i did we see like yeah we see part of the the symbol on his chest and i'm like yep is that as soon as i saw that i was like i was like wait a minute yeah uh kind of the last person you expect to be villain to midnighter huh uh, yeah. Yeah, who is it, Alex? Are we gonna say? No, we're not. Okay, alright, alright, alright. Yeah, you should go read this, because yeah. you should know. Yeah. Uh, and then our final story in this issue, written by Jeremy Adams, art by Siam Ohm, colors by Hi-Fi, and letters by Gabriella Downey, is Black Racer. And this is, to my knowledge, a new Black Racer. It ha- Yeah, this is a brand new Black Racer. Uh, I think at one point we see, like, the reflection of Shiloh Norman in... A window, as as we're flashing back to maybe how she became the Black Racer. We do, we do indeed. 
Uh, can I can I also point out they chose to use colored speech bubbles to differentiate some things. Can I give credit to the fact that they actually chose colors that you can actually read as opposed to like say red on black? Yes. Um there was another red on black instance in a different book this week oh. and I won't say explicitly where it was cuz I don't want to throw shade at anyone by name but don't but do red takes on don't, black. Don't ever red. do that ever again. No. It's awful. Okay. It just doesn't print well. Not on the not on the flat paper that DC uses. Yeah, it like I don't think it's well in electronic medium either. I don't. I just don't think it's good at all. It's not my favorite. I think it's better. It, agreed. Agreed. So I don't know about you, but I am definitely here for what I'm pretty sure is giant robot roller derby. That's exactly what this is. It's, it is it is mecha roller derby, and I'm all about it. And our character is was a pilot for one of these. Mm-hmm. And again, like you mentioned, we see uh, Shiloh Norman as Black Racer in the window as right before her bot slides and blows up. Right? And that's kind of all we see of her until she shows up on Warworld. Yeah, and apparently she's died a bunch and come back to life a bunch. Maybe, yeah. It's almost like there's something thematic going on in this issue as well. Yeah, there's a lot of death and and rebirth in this issue, definitely. Uh, Yeah, I can't, I I am all about, she looks, I I love the design of her outfit. Like, I love everything about it, but she, you know, yeah, this is just great. Yeah, and she is infiltrating a space prison to save, it seems like save her friends from the roller derby. Maybe, yeah. Um, or at the very least, just to, like, save anyone she can and fuck shit up. Yeah. Um, I am very interested to see where that goes in its second part. Me too. Last future state issue this week, Immortal Wonder Woman number one. We are actually going to talk about the backup first here, because it is also set in 2030. Right. Uh, and is about Nubia. This is written by L.L. McKinney, pencils are by Aletha Martinez, inks by Mark Morales, colors by Emilio Lopez, and letters by Becca Carey. Uh, This was, right there with Shazam, a big surprise for me this week, and something I really dug. Um, Can I say, like, the very first panel of this issue, I was like, okay, I don't know, but whoever's writing this knows Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this this opens on Emory's campus, uh, at the Michael C. Carlos Museum. Yeah, uh, which where... I have been to several times and is awesome, by the way. Yep. Um, I mean, been to and also just walked past hundreds of times because, yeah, well, yeah, well, you right, right there yeah. on the quad. Um, the issue opens with Grail robbing the museum, and Nubia shows up to stop her. And I I don't think I have ever read a comic with Nubia in it. I know nothing about this character. Same. Same. Other than, apparently, pre-Flashpoint, she was Diana's sister. Like, not not in a Themyscira, we're all sisters way. Biologically her sister. And post-Flashpoint was no longer her. Mother's side or father's side? I mean, this was at the point in history when Diana was made of clay, so... Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, Who knows? 
But this, I was... mean, just just if you want to just play the odds, then you got to go with Zeus, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> statistics would 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 imply yeah. exactly yes. statistics or any knowledge of mythology. Uh... Um, but yeah, this is one of those things that Flashpoint and then Rebirth, especially undid and uh a lot of people i know are excited to see her restored to her status quo as wonder woman as diana's sister and even without knowing any of that going into this like she is fantastic i love her yeah i i say this with a lot of love for the immortal wonder woman story that we're going to talk about i think i liked this better than the main story I I think it was I, I think there was a newness and a freshness to it that made it stand out. Yes. That's yeah. probably a better way of putting that. Yeah. Um we see Nubia stop Grail and have this reaction to this fragment of some you know, old stone tablet or whatever that Grail sure. has come to steal. And she sees sacrifice and she sees war and she sees her aunt, uh, who is her aunt Nancy, who runs a spider-themed club here for the mythology building, because Nancy, yes, yeah, um, and <laughs> I like that her aunt is like making her make small talk and all of that beforehand. Is this really great? Just like. <laughs> petty family thing that i am so here for like affectionately oh, yeah. petty family thing oh yeah um but then also like yeah her aunt fucked up and she's in on all this and it's her fault not in the way that you think right um not necessarily in a bad way like yeah i mean kind of like like maybe bad choice but not like intentionally right yeah, yeah. and Basically, hey, if Grail gets all these artifacts, she can punch holes in space-time. Oops. Yeah, that'd be bad. We were trying to open the gods' minds, and apparently we were a little too uh, vague in our magic. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, and then, you know, things go bad and something happens to Nubia. We don't even know what yet, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, that brings us to the end of time. Yes. Uh, Immortal Wonder Woman. This is written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad. Art is by Jen Bartel, and letters are by Pat Brousseau. Art and colors, I should say, by Jen Bartel. Um, can I, I? I will say for myself, art-wise, this was probably my favorite, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jen Bartel, it's super rare to see her do interiors. Oh, my God. I mean, she is just, period, one of my favorite artists in comics. Like, I, like I, I could just, I, honest to God, I could just open this, this these pages and just stare at this. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, I'm, I'm kind of down for this, uh, this is a little bit more mature Wonder Woman, too. Yeah, like, the world is ending, some darkness is consuming New Genesis and Apocalypse, and... Uh, the Earth is dying, like, they've replanted Swamp Thing as a tree on Themyscira, and Wonder Woman's like, okay, sisters, we need to flee Earth because there is no future for it, and we must protect the green. And they just want to stay and fight. Right. And she consents to, basically, when there's no other choice. Uh, yeah, and we get, um, the other, the other piece of this is... We switch to Apocalypse. Apparently, New Genesis has been destroyed. Mm -hmm. It's already gone. And we see Barda 
serving Darkseid. Yeah. Not, I think, because... She, and, and Orion. Not, I think, because, you know, they want to serve Darkseid, but because, like, New Genesis is gone and, like, everybody is banding together to do everything they can type yeah. thing. Right? Uh, yeah. And... But you say everybody. Darkseid is not. Darkseid well, <laughs> pieces on them and leaves them to be consumed by the darkness. Fair enough. Yes. Absolutely. The planet's name is Apocalypse. Did you think it was meant to be permanent? No. <laughs> Yeet! I'm out! <laughs> I... <Yeah>, so... <laughs> two words, Brian, and this yes. will be our episode title. Dark Side Yeets. Dark Side Yeets. That's it. That's it. Thank you. Sold. Perfect. Thank you. We are done. <laughs> And so is Dark Side. Uh, so, Not yet, yeah. Ian. He's well, got trouble. No, I meant, oh, yeah, I meant like done with apocalypse. Oh, done. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and um, we find out somebody else has made it to this point in time. Uh, Superman is still around. Yeah, but he's not quite who he used to be. No, he is very old now. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he he's, has, old, he's old man Clark. <laughs> like, Diana's got a rogue stripe of gray in her hair. Yeah. Like, like rogue from the X-Men, but with gray. Yeah. Superman is old man Superman. He is old man Superman, yeah. He is, he is Santa Claus <laughs> Superman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, maybe that's where, maybe we know something from the future. Maybe Superman actually became Santa Claus, and that's how he gets all the gifts to everybody in one night. And then Iron Man and Doctor Doom save him from Null. It all fits now. It all fits. Let, let hey, just hey, text... welcome to the welcome to the new Omniverse. Everything's possible. Let me just text Jen and have her add one giant red string to her her conspiracy board. One one might even say a red and green string. Oh, ho, ho. exactly. It was a little more green giant than Santa Claus. Yeah, but still. Uh, oh my god. I, I, mm, every time I, I see Jim Bartell drawing Wonder Woman here, I just I just stop and stare. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's excellent. I think even like Ava DuVernay has shared panels of her Barda because she's working on the New Gods movie. Oh yeah, when yeah, when she draws Barda and like when Barda's looking up at, at yeah. Dark Side there. Yeah. Like Come on, man. It's it's excellent. This whole like this Immortal Wonder Woman is I think one of the books we were both looking forward to the most, and it yeah. has just knocked it out of the park. Agreed. Um so yeah, essentially, um we don't know but it looks like, you know, Apocalypse has come to Earth and it looks like whatever this consuming entity is is also arriving and like everything is kind of at its end and we'll see yep we'll have to wait for the next all right some non-future state dc stuff yeah deceased dead planet number seven the final issue written by tom taylor pencils by trevor harrison inks by Gigi baldassini with stefano guadino colors by rain barredo and letters by saida timofante so uh I have consumed a lot of media this week that has made me tear up and or cry. Uh, yeah. Um, I finished Shit's Creek. 
I read the last oh. Animorphs book for my other podcasts. Um, I watched the inauguration, and that was good for like a dozen good cries. <laughs> um, I thought I was through the woods and had like <sighs> finally managed to rehydrate, and then I read this book. Yeah, John fucking Constantine, huh? You know, it is it it is the most perfect end to John Constantine I can conceive of. Yeah. Also, just the way that Taylor writes about Superman in this issue, I think is, one, dead on, but two, just, like, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know, a book about beating a virus. Who thought? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, though? It's funny, because that all, that, that really is the B story in this one. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Like, once they've got the cure, that really becomes the secondary part of yeah. this. It's about stopping the Amazo army and then more specifically Trigon, who yeah. is by far at this point the biggest threat. Hey, when John Constantine makes a plan, though, John Constantine makes one hell of a plan. I, I, like, you know, he ain't afraid to, he, he ain't going back down, I'll say it that, you know, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. I'll, I'll, that's a good way to put it, I guess. I think my favorite line of this was... <laughs> oh, no, I got it, Alec, too. Okay. Here's, here's, the, here's the phrase for it, you ready? He really puts all of himself into it. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, at one point, as John is executing his plan, he says, yeah, it sucks, but this was the plan. I wasn't just being a dick when I took Boston Brand's power, which I'm not going to give that any context, but uh, because you should read it. Yes. But um, holy shit, what he pulls off is just amazing. Just fucking perfect. And yeah, like how Zatanna will not love that man forever from this point. Yeah. Forward, I don't know. Yeah. And there's the tragedy. Brian found the tragedy. I did. I did. Um, but then we get happy tears after that. We do. We get Green Arrow and Green Canary. Yep. So uh, I, I should point out, so Wallace West, uh, Kid Flash, has been running, trying to inoculate, as you know, give as many people as possible the cure. Yeah. Right? And, like, he talks super early on about how he would love to stop and console them, but, like, he can't. He, like, has to hit them and let them be confused and just keep going. Yeah. And so once they have finished this and stopped the Amazo army and, uh, you know, dealt with Trigon, then like Mary Marvel and uh, Cassandra sh and Green Canary show up and like he is exhausted. And I love Mary Marvel just puts her hand and she's like, you know what? It's OK. Well, you rest now. We got it from here. And he just like falls to his knees and they take off. There's that wisdom of Solomon right there. Yeah, it's so good. So yeah. good. And then we see people who were changed but not destroyed. Yeah. Come back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom Taylor has teased maybe some more deceased even after this. So I am curious to see where this goes. Because, like, we still don't know why Metron got so freaked out at whatever he saw. Right. Correct. And we still have the thread with Darkseid. Well, introduced. and I, I think it's very poignant that, you know, there are still people that are lost. Yeah. Right? Like, Aquaman's gone. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the reunion that Mara has is with Garth. 
Right. Yeah. Um, you know, like Batman isn't coming back. Right. Superman is not coming back. Correct. Wonder yeah. Woman is not yeah. Yeah. Um, Ollie Ollie comes back though. That's a that's the final scene yeah. is Ollie and Canary, which is great. Like a boomerang arrow. <laughs> yeah. It's great. That this deceased is a great, great, great world build. I love it. It's so much better than it has any right to be. It it is. It is. Yeah. Let's talk about Rorschach number four. Okay. Uh, this is written by Tom King, a little known DC uh, yeah. writer. Who's that guy? Uh, art is by Jorge Fornes, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Clayton Cowles. And we almost put this one on Is It Still Good for this week? But I think we've got a little more to say about it than we realized at first. Well, I think, it, so it follows this same format that the previous ones have, which is, you know, this investigator talking to somebody, or, you know, or in some cases investigating, right? Yeah. To reveal this story as, uh, you know, that he's found for this piece of it, right? Yeah. And in this case, he's talking to what is essentially a carnival strongman. Yep. Who was in prison, and he's interviewing him because he knew the kid who is the the cowgirl who was part of this opening thing that he's investigating. Right. Um and this one in particular I think in this framing of the story and and the reveal of the story of what happened to this guy probably gives us more insight into what was really going on in this than any of the previous ones. Yeah. For one, I think that sort of conspiracy theory about the mind-controlling squids and another wave yep. is going to occupy a bigger place, at least in in the story the kid is telling other people and maybe what she actually believes. Well, yeah, so we, we kind of got her story right, and we got the, you know, the Rorschach that was part of the assassination thing, right? Yeah. We kind of got their stories already, but... And so we knew some things about them. We knew that they believed some things, you know, that were a little out yeah. there or whatever. But I think this one gives it from a perspective of somebody not involved in that, which tells us that there is a very wide belief still in the Watchmen world that there are more squids coming. Or even if it's not a wide belief, there is a, a prevalent conspiracy theory, which is a little more how it read to me than wide uh, yeah, belief. Well, I, I, yeah, and maybe that's right. Like, maybe it's a... I'm trying to think of, like, the, something comparable that I can give that level to, where it's like, yeah, it's probably a conspiracy theory, but it's a, a more believable one that probably a lot more people buy into than should, right? Like, maybe the uh, global warming climate change thing, right? There's a lot of people that believe that, even though it's, you know, not true. And to be clear, what we're saying is believe that it's not real. Correct. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. We are not saying global warming and climate change in and, climate change <laughs> in and of themselves are a conspiracy theory. That is not what Brian that means. That is not what I mean. Thank you for that clarification, because, God, I don't want that being out there. <laughs> Slash, say, had you doubled I'm, down and said, no, that's exactly what I mean. This would have been the last episode. <laughs> and that's all for panelology, folks. <laughs> no, no, I, you, you know I am very much a science-based person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Way um, too logical to be uh, anything else. And the reason, why, the reason why I think that this is more conspiracy theory, the, the second wave of squids, 
Yeah. Is because I think the thing that this issue establishes, and I, again, I don't know if the kid earnestly believes that this is true. I think she does. Or if she is leveraging this when she sees a mark. I think she believes. But she is convincing people that they are the reincarnated spirits of... The the hosts, I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, Sure. Of Rorschach. And goading them into committing these crimes. And it seems to be people who she sees as, in one way or another, vulnerable. Right. We saw the comic book writer who lived alone and was isolated and had lost the love of his life right and lived above her yeah yeah, lived above her and saw her idiot husband every day right was bullied by him in this issue it's the circus strongman who is not very much a Lenny character i was gonna say who who, yeah who who's who's got a sort of like he he, one he believes one he is in love with the kid yes and two like he takes anything she says at face value yeah and doesn't want to disappoint her so when she says hey i'm going to kill this scumbag his reaction is this very like kind i don't want you to be this let me take care of it for you on my own thing and he just goes and he never would have gotten caught for it he throws the guy off a ledge everyone just assumes oh he was drunk he fell whatever And she comes to him and says, you never told me. I can't believe you, you jerk. Never told you what? Oh, that you're Rorschach. And then, you know, she explains to him about the whole reincarnation of all these heroes after, or possession by the spirits of these heroes after Dr. Manhattan removed their corporal bodies so they couldn't be possessed by squids. Like, we know the whole thing's bullshit because there are characters in the story who were dead when this happened. Like, the comedian was not there the comedian was dead on the ground human yes. bean juice yeah um we we know that rorschach died yes yeah. um so all of it is a fiction whether she believes it or not correct and it really reads like she is some kind of almost serial killer whose whose mo is to bring these rubes in as well and it, right so there's there's two ways to take it either she is that right in which case it is completely with her own forethought and everything. Or she does truly believe it and thinks that because, it, like, it's a mental instability thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, she truly believes that these people are reincarnated. Now, I think it's interesting. She doesn't think that she is a host of any of them. Yeah. But, yeah. Let's let's say an indoctrination thing, too. Let's, there let's, you go. Yeah. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I think this issue gives us a lot more of the shape of what is going on than yep. anything so far has. Not the details, but the shape of. Yep. Yeah, I'm, like, God, I'm super, super interested. I can't believe we're only four issues into this. It yep. feels like we're like six or eight. Now let's jump over to Krakoa. Uh, first for cable number seven. Uh, this issue had been delayed a couple of times. Uh, which makes it kind of one of the last issues to deal with Tin of Swords fallout. Right. Um, and then it gets straight back into Cable's investigation of these missing kids. And Rachel joins him to help track them down. Which I love. So good. Like, again, I've said it before, this whole like brother-sister dynamic between them. 
uh-huh feels so new because we've never seen certainly not with kid cable this version of it but also so well established because like it's what there's 30 40 years of comic book history establishing them as siblings mm-hmm. uh i also love getting to see scott and gene be parents to them like here's the thing like the way they present their relationship to it is it is 100 percent how brothers and sisters would talk to each other yeah. and react to each other and yeah she's like she's like you know i'm not gonna pry but i know you got stuff going on so when you're ready come to me because you know you can talk to me yeah uh, i also love their sort of takedown of the hostage takers yeah cable cable uh telepathically projects to her you got him yeah i got him shoots all six dudes in the head and she just floats the babies so they never hit the ground in the shoulder to be clear in the shoulder that's right in the shoulder because they're they're all yeah 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 couldn't have been the head you are right right um and then unfortunately cable finds out who is behind these baby abductions yeah which this is definitely not a character I know super well to the extent that I oh. forget his relationship to Cable. Oh, you do you not know it? I mean, I do because the issue mentions what it is. But until the in- issue reminded me, like, it's just one of those things that slips my mind. I knew I knew it at one time. I just... Gotcha, gotcha. I so rarely see this character. Uh, that <laughs> I do want to point out the, the comment that Rachel makes. When at the very beginning, when they first meet up, and he like goes to her to ask if she'll go, she's like, "Well, at least you're done avoiding me. I wasn't avoiding you, Rachel. It's a bold choice to snow the better telepath." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which makes the the line you mentioned later about yeah, you know, yeah. "Come to me when you're ready to talk" even right. better because like she could just read his mind. Of course. Um, I also loved the the two cops and Philly being like. We've got 50 years experience between us. Do you really think you're going to track down these kids more effectively than we could? To Rachel? Right. Who literally just uh, scans out and finds out where they are. And she's yeah. like, yeah, they're here. Let's go. Who literally historically was, you know, yeah. tasked with hunting down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who? Who? Yeah. Her. Yeah. Her whole origin is that she was a hound hunting mutant. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we also had X for. Oh, I don't think I said. Uh, Cable was written by Jerry Duggan, art and colors by Phil Noto, letters by Joe Sabino, and designed by Tom Muller. Oh, you you are leaving out the the big finish though. Oh, I guess I am. What's the big finish, Brian? So, uh, he's talking to his dad. He's talking to Cyclops, and Scott's like. Um, well, you know what? If you don't know, if if, if you kind of don't have a next step, sometimes the best thing to do is just take a break. You know, let let your luck change, and then when you come up with the the, the next idea, whatever. And he's like, "You just gave me a great idea. I gotta go." And he goes, and we see him in the what is it, the Green Lagoon? Yep. Uh, you know, the bar on Krakoa, and he's talking to someone, having a drink with someone, and talking to them, and saying, "Um, you know, I, I, the person that's taking these is Strife." Um. You know, who is me, kind of, clone of me, uh, alternate yeah. me, yeah. Like, uh, it's the Summers family. It can Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, and he's like, uh, so, you know, it's like super my problem, and I really need my luck to change. Would you mind helping me out, or would this, like, us be too weird? Because, of course, it's Domino. Yeah. 
And her reaction is, oh, Nate, of course it's going to be weird. But when has that ever stopped us? <laughs> I love the like opening <laughs> design page line for this issue, which is something about uh, how much it sucks when your the mistakes of your past catch up to you before you've had the chance to commit them. Yes. Yeah. 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 That brings us to X-Force number 16. This is written by Benjamin Percy, art is by Joshua Kassara, colors by Guru EFX, letters by Joe Caramagna, and again designed by Tom Muller. This is actually one of the most straightforward issues, I think, of this book that we've had so far. It is specifically directly addressing the... Uh, sort of eldritch goo that came off of Krakoa in the last issue and attacked some sailors who then in turn attacked Krakoa. It does kind of confirm, uh, as we suspected, that this is a byproduct of Krakoa. Uh, they basically they basically refer to it as a malignancy, like a virus or a tumor or whatever. Uh, none of the scans of the island nor Doug's conversations with the island actually reveal the presence of any sort of malignancy left on it so there's some question of what its origins might be um, but this ultimately leads to uh, Quentin Quire and Forge and Wolverine going down to the bottom of the sea to fight this 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 virus this malignancy um she has this great moment where wolverine just cannot control the speed at which he descends because he's so heavy uh and who should show up to we'll say help with air quotes around it but namor who is sick of krakoa and their bullshit and raises what i think is an interesting question is xavier using the island or is the island using Xavier? Porque no los dos. See, <laughs> si. um, it it kind of brings back some of the more like ominous, foreboding energy that the early Dawn of X stuff had. All right, is it still good? Uh, first up, we have Abbott, nineteen seventy three, number one. Uh, this is a new mini series continuing Saladin Ahmed's Abbott from a couple of years ago. Uh, this sees Elena Abbott dealing with a new owner coming into the all-black paper where she has begun working uh, and dealing with more spooky, magical bullshit uh, mucking up her life as much as she would like that to stop. Uh, if you haven't read the original series, strongly recommend It's Out in Trade. And then once you've read that, pick up this because it's every bit as good absolutely fantastic once in future number 15 mary and rose have a heart to heart chat at gunpoint batman catwoman number two brian so um yes selena follows through on the uh the plan that she had last issue in spite of making a promise to Batman that she wouldn't do this. Legion of Superheroes, number 12. The Legion comes together to deal with Mordru and Rogalzar, uh, and despite their hopes that the two of them are in fact the great darkness that is approaching, they aren't. Oops. Stillwater, number 5. 
the town has a very uneventful town meeting. Definitely uneventful. Nothing happens there. <laughs> Avengers number 41, three words, Howard the Phoenix. King in Black number three. Thor and Dylan team up to kick some symbiote butt as the reinforcements arrive. By the way, Howard the Phoenix is how you get Brian to catch up on Avengers. Yeah, I thought that might do it. <laughs> this week's books, uh, Future State is once again the big focus this week. Yeah. Uh, we have Aquaman. And, and all through February, to be honest. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe a little, like, like this This next week is the last wave of number ones. That's true, that's true. Yeah, like, we kind of have the premise of everything after this week. That is true, that is so, true. So, we have Aquaman number one from Brandon Thomas and Danielle Samperi. Batman Superman number one from Gene Luen Yang and Ben Oliver. Dark Detective number two with the main story by Marco Tamaki and Dan Mora. And a Red Hood backup by Joshua Williamson and Giannis Milano-Giannis. Legion of Superheroes, number one, by Brian Michael Bendis and Riley Rosmo. Suicide Squad, number one, with a Suicide Squad main story by Robbie Thompson and Javi Fernandez. And a Black Adam backup by Jeremy Adams and Fernando Passarin. And finally, Superman vs. Imperious Lex, number one, by Mark Russell and Steve Pugh. Yes! Brian! Yeah? You wanted to bring a couple of books that are wrapping up this week. I did, I did. Colonel Weird, Cosmogog, and An Unkindness of Ravens. Yeah, so uh, this is, uh, uh, again, both of these are wrapping up. So uh, it's Colonel Weird, uh, Cosmogog number 404. This has been an interesting book uh, that essentially kind of, I I hesitate to say backstory, but it, it, it is just because it's so mixed up because of how this character operates. I was going to say, I feel like with Colonel Weird, everything is backstory and everything is future, and yeah. all past is prologue yeah. and vice versa. Yeah, completely. That's exactly right, yes. Um, so, yeah, that one's fun. And then the other one is An Unkindness of Ravens, number five of four. So uh, this is the series finale for this. Um, they They... They decided they needed one more book to tell this, so yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm excited about it. And uh, as we are wont to do, whenever there is any kind of printing or reprinting of a book starring Nadia Van Dyne, yeah, we wanted to make everyone aware that the second uh, Unstoppable Wasp series is being collected in a single volume called Aim Escape. And uh, as always, please go buy it so we can have more Nadia Van Dyne someday. Yes, if you have not read it, it's an absolute delight. Indeed, Anything? there's a reason. It, there's a reason it ended up where it did on our year's best that year. Yep. Yep. Anything else to add, Brian? Uh, no, I don't think so. In that case, we would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can visit us at panelologypodcast.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com/panelology. Get Panelology merch at bit.ly slash Panelology merch, capital P, capital M, or send us questions and comments at bit.ly slash Panelology mailbag, capital P, capital M. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. Go read comics this week. (laughs) 